This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's that time of year. The Canadian International Auto Show is back in town. Today I'll be joined by industry analyst Dennis DeRossier to talk about the big automotive trends for 2016. Plus, Rabbi Shmuley Boteach is not your typical rabbi. He's the author of the books Kosher Lust and Kosher Sex, and now he's bringing his unique brand of one-on-one relationship counseling to Canadian television in a new series on Vision TV. I talk to Rabbi Shmuley coming up. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here's some positive news for both men and women over the age of 65. The number of women in that age group who live alone is declining, and that's partly because the men are living longer. These shifts come after nearly a century in which the share of older people living on their own rose steadily from 6% in 1900 to 29% in 1990. Improvements in health, longevity, and economic security largely drove this increase. Now, thanks to an uptick in life expectancy, particularly among men, women between the ages of 65 and 84 are increasingly likely to live with their spouse. Older, unmarried women are also more likely to live with their children. A longer life requires more money, and this week we saw more evidence to suggest as older Canadians approach the traditional retirement age, staying out of poverty will be a challenge. A report from the Broadband Institute found half of couples between 55 and 64 have no workplace pension, and of those, less than 20% have saved enough for their post-working years. That means the number of seniors who slip into poverty will increase in the decades ahead, according to report author Richard Shillington. The French government is taking measures to help its citizens have a better work-life balance. Among a host of new reforms, France's labor minister is including a provision that would give employees the right to ignore professional emails and other messages when outside the office. The provision would essentially create a church and state separation between work life and home life. A recent study found that approximately 3.2 million French workers are at risk of burning out from a combination of physical exhaustion and emotional anxiety. 
She was the creator of one of the most beloved and celebrated books of the 20th century. Harper Lee, author of To Kill a Mockingbird, passed away this week at the age of 89. To Kill a Mockingbird was released in 1960 and quickly became a definitive text on the racial injustice in America's Deep South. It won the Pulitzer Prize. For most of her life, Harper Lee was a reclusive, one-hit author. She was reluctant to accept the fame her writing brought her, and it wasn't until 2015 that she published another book, which was actually written before, a prequel to To Kill a Mockingbird titled Go Set a Watchman. It was based on a manuscript that she had submitted to her publishers in 1957, and on its release it jumped to the top of the bestseller list. Nell Harper Lee was 89. She passed away in her hometown of Monroeville, Alabama. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. He's an Orthodox rabbi and TV personality whose best-selling books include Kosher Lust and Kosher Sex. Rabbi Shmuley Boteach isn't afraid to speak explicitly about all aspects of intimacy, and he's about to bring his brand of one-on-one counseling for people who want to heal the relationships in their lives to Vision TV. Here's a clip from the new series, Divine Intervention. The idea behind a relationship is lose the argument. So what? You lose. You know what, honey? I'm sorry. Let's put it behind us. Let's move on. I love you. You're an amazing daughter. I want to see my grandchildren. I want to raise them. If I've hurt you, you seem to want to prove that you're right. What's the point of being right and alone? I sat down with Rabbi Shmuley in our Liberty Village studios after a taping of the show. There's people who have a lot of family issues, personal issues. They're worried about uh, collapsing marriages. They're worried about kids who are out of control. They're worried about kids who don't want to have a relationship with them. A lot of them are facing depression. Um, And we're trying to intervene and lift them up and give them guidance to make better decisions and to repair their relationships. If, If someone needs counseling, it's a process over a long period of time. So how do you... Um, provide counseling when you don't have a long period of time with the person you're helping out? Well, in the show, um, I don't think the purpose of our show is to counsel. I mean, obviously, counseling is more rigorous and it's more intensive. It's more in-depth. I think uh, our show is analytical. It's about analyzing the problem, getting beyond the surface, and trying to identify the root causes of the problem. And now that's something that can be done faster than you might otherwise suppose. Um, A lot of problems um, are repetitive, I've seen this kind of behavior before. I can often see patterns or I can see what people are masking, uh, not because I'm prophetic in any way. Obviously, I'm not, but because I've done this for a little bit of time and I, I've learned. If I meet a young woman like I did today on one of our shows who is experiencing panic attacks, it doesn't take uh, Albert Einstein to figure out that uh, there's some deep-seated fear that she's not addressing that's causing these panic attacks. And it took a little bit of probing, only a few minutes to get her to kind of start talking about her most deep-seated fears. Now, that itself wasn't easy because if you're afraid of it, you don't want to talk about it. And yet the only way that you can actually confront these fears and heal from them is by addressing them. Is there anything you would say is the most common problem people uh, present when they come to you? I wouldn't say there's the most common. I'd say uh, there, are, there are a series of common problems. Uh, collapsing marriage is very common, the loveless marriage. People, uh, loneliness, very common. What's the, what's of, the difference between a collapsing marriage and a loveless marriage? Well, a collapsing marriage might be filled with love. The people might really love each other. They just don't know how to stop wounding one another. In fact, 
One of the reasons we wound people that we love is because they mean so much to us that we want to show them that um, they can't hurt us because they really can. So if I inflict the wound first, if I reject them first, then uh, they can't hurt me. Uh, it's a preemptive strike. Loveless marriage is where, you know, really, you're just drifting your own two ways. You're not even fighting. There's just nothing to glue you together anymore. The attraction is gone. The romance is gone. It's become a functional partnership. You're kept together by uh, external considerations like children. Now, people might be upset that I just called it that really kids are an external consideration. Well, to the marriage they are. You didn't marry to have children, hopefully, because then you've treated your spouse as a means to an end. What, you know, your, your husband isn't an inseminator and your wife isn't just a, a womb. You married one another to love each other, respect each other, cherish each other. And the product of that love and that cherishing is children. The unhealthy marriage is where children are put before the marriage. The healthy marriage is where the spouse is put before the children because the kids are going to one day want to leave the nuclear family. They're going to want to build a nuclear family of their own. And the main th takeaway they're going to get from your having raised them is having witnessed love. They saw their parents who love each other. They're going to say, wow, love works. I, I know it works. Not because I read it in some Disney you know, story or cartoon. It's because I saw it in my own life. I saw it with my own parents. And I'm going to have the same thing for myself. So a happy marriage allows children to live in hope. Um, you'd be amazed at how many sexless marriages there are today. And that's also a product of the loveless marriage. If there's a loveless marriage, there's also a lustless marriage, marriages that lack any kind of lust. I just published a book called Kosher Lust. I'm of the opinion that lust is more important in marriage even than, uh, even than love. Love is a comforting, nurturing um, emotion. It's very important. But lust is a, a magnetic compulsion to be with someone. It's where you're drawn irresistibly. Your thoughts, your emotions, everything might be saying to you, I don't know if this is the right person, but you, you want them. You desire them. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Uh, and it's missing from our relationships today. I think we're creating more of a unisex culture where men and women are so inured to one another. Is that your perspective as a, an Orthodox Jew? No, it's my perspective as an observer of a secular culture. I may be an Orthodox Jew, but I live completely and fully in the secular world. Um, speaking of your being an Orthodox, do, do any people have any compunctions about coming to you with their problems because you're a, a rabbi? No. Um, if there is anyone at all, they're usually Jews who've had a bad experience with rabbis. But I would say in general, people don't even judge me by that title, rabbi, or the fact that I'm Jewish. People are looking for answers to, for their problems, and they're going to go to anyone who they think has wisdom and advice. And it's incumbent upon me to demonstrate that I have some sort of a path for their healing. And that's going to, I'm going to be judged by the solutions I find or the solutions I, I don't find. And how much of a path can you come up with uh, during the show? Or uh, It depends on each segment. It depends on each person. I, you know, it's interesting. I kind of know at the beginning whether I think I, I'm going to be able to help this person or whether they're going to be more resistant to change or whether I'm not even going to find the solutions within myself for them. Back to marriage counseling, are there situations where the best thing to do is to part? Yeah. You know, uh, certainly I'm from a tradition that accepts divorce. We're not Catholic. Divorce is kind of like war. It's never good. It's often bad. And it is sometimes necessary. But I, I absolutely agree that it is sometimes necessary. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Divine Intervention premieres weekdays at 3 p.m. on Vision TV starting Monday, February 22nd. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. For the last two weeks, car enthusiasts have flocked to Toronto for the 2016 
Canadian International Auto Show. What are the big draws at this year's show? In just a moment, I'll be joined by Dennis DeRossier of DeRossier Automotive Consultants. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. This year's edition of the Canadian International Auto Show is wrapping up in Toronto. It's been a year of blockbuster sales, and the industry is hoping the trend will continue despite the lower dollar and a tougher economy. What are some of the features the experts hope will induce Zoomers to keep on buying? I chatted with Dennis DeRossier of DeRossier Automotive Consultants. The thing that impressed me about the show um, is that every single new vehicle being launched, without exception, is at least 20 to 25% more fuel efficient than the one that is replaced. And it doesn't matter whether you buy a great big gas guzzler, it's more fuel efficient, or the tiny little gas miser, they're uber fuel efficient. And so the vehicle companies are really tackling the cost of ownership issue, uh, dealing with climate change. Uh, uh, the vehicles are better built, and so they don't have as many repair costs uh, over their life. Um, and they're not depreciating. Uh, remember the day when you drove the vehicle off the car dealer lot and you lost half the value? I thought that was one of the truisms. I thought that was the case. Well, today, the average is about 10% the moment you drive it off the car dealer's lot, not 50%. And it typically loses about 10% per year thereafter. But there are vehicles out there that literally only lose 4 or 5% of their uh, uh, capital cost uh, per year that you have it on the road. So you can get a five-year-old vehicle, you can get 75% in the used car market of what you paid for it. And so, what vehicles are those? There is a fair amount of data on the web that you can go in and research these things and, and find them. But typically, Japanese have the best resale values, and uh, light trucks typically have a little better resale value than passenger car, but those are broad uh, numbers. What about German cars? Um, it depends on the, on the vehicle. Uh, German cars kind of hold their value uh, pretty good, but because they are, are bought by a wealthier or consumer class, uh, there's less emphasis on resale value. Uh, their owners can afford uh, the new vehicle, and they will move between vehicles quite readily. And because of that, there's a little bit excess supply, which pushes down the uh, resale values a little bit. What are Zoomers looking for, and are they buying vehicles as often as uh, other demographics? The intermediate sport utility vehicles and minivans are still popular with boomers and luxury, obviously, as the boomer retires. But the millennials and the boomers have something in common. The millennials are forming a family, therefore they need the utility of an SUV or a minivan. And their parents, the boomers, typically take care of the kids. So they also need the you know the small vans and the and the SUVs I thought that when it comes to millennials one of the things that defines them as a generation is that they really don't care to own a car they would rather live in some place that's centrally located am i wrong absolutely not true for canada in the us millennial ownership is down in canada there's not one speck of evidence ownership of vehicles has actually gone up quite a bit since the turn of the century, not down. In the year 2000, 70% of the driving age population, including the millennials, owned a vehicle. Today, it's over 85%. And so half the people that didn't own a vehicle 15 years ago now own a vehicle. 
Canadians are embracing light vehicle ownership faster than any other developed nation in the world. So why is that? Well, I touched on one of them, and that the overall cost of ownership is going down, not up. In our cities, our public transportation is, quite frankly, the pits. And so what are you going to do to get around? And car sharing has helped and that is providing ownership to the, the downtown urban dwellers and the condos uh, they wouldn't otherwise own. And the product itself is just jam-packed with technology, particularly social media technology and safety technology. Well, I have to tell you, I have a new vehicle, and uh, sometimes I think it's smarter than I am. There's almost <laughs> too much technology, and it's, it's too complicated. <laughs> I'm sympathetic. I'm 65, and a lot of this stuff... Uh, I get shown at the dealership, and then that's the last time I see it or use it. And so it's, it's tough to keep up. But that's not an issue with the millennials. They are very technology savvy, and they like technology in their vehicle, and they use the technology. We're also seeing the vehicles an incredible push towards more safety. There's lane departure technology and blind spot detectors and emergency braking. And consumers uh, rank safety still very high in terms of the attributes they look for. And anything else you want to tell us about the car for Zoomers for 2016? Uh, we're worried about the uh, exchange rates. At some point, these low dollars could impact our pricing. And so we would be expecting price increases in the latter half of the year. And so if you're thinking of buying a vehicle this year, you're probably wise to get out early or rather than later. Uh, you'll probably get a better deal. Okay, Dennis. Thanks so much. Call me anytime. That was automotive consultant Dennis DeRossier. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. This week, one of Motown's biggest icons celebrated a birthday. We'll be back with his music right after this. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Laura Benanti and Zachary Levi star on Broadway in the 1963 musical She Loves Me with lyrics by Sheldon Harnick and music by Jerry Bach. I wish I knew exactly how I'll act and what will happen when we dine tonight at 8 I know I'll drop the silverware, but will I spill the water? It's the, the story of two perfume shop employees who don't realize they're romantic pen pals. She Loves Me is at Studio 54 on West 54th Street. The Art Institute of Chicago has recreated Vincent van Gogh's bedroom in an apartment which you can rent out for $10 a night. Reservations include two tickets to the museum and a special exhibit which brings together all three versions of Van Gogh's The Bedroom. Now to London, where Mrs. Henderson Presents is at the Noel Coward Theatre. Tracy Bennett plays a widow who buys and transforms a 1930s theater into a celebrated place for female nudity to be tastefully presented during World War II. And in Rome, there's an exhibition of street photography from Hamburg to Palermo. It's a collection of everyday photos described as spontaneous and fleeting, captured by five German and five Italian photographers. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook.
This week, William Smokey Robinson celebrated his 76th birthday. Born and raised in Detroit, Smokey Robinson was a backbone of the Motown sound. His band, The Miracles, was one of the first acts signed to the famous record label, and Robinson served as a songwriter for many other Motown acts. During the 1960s and early 70s, Robinson penned hits like Two Lovers, The One Who Really Loves You, My Girl, Don't Mess With Bill, You Beat Me to the Punch, Get Ready, and many other singles from the label's now legendary catalog. Right now, we'll hear Smokey sing one of the biggest hits he had with the Miracles. Here is Shop Around. When I became of age, my mother called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up now. Pretty soon you'll take a ride. That was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles with Shop Around. Smokey celebrated his 76th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.